Coming to you via the internet and your friends at PipesMagazine.com, it's the Pipes Magazine radio show. The show that is so bad if Al Gore thought it was an endangered species, he'd stomp on its neck and cut its head off. Now I invite you to sit back, relax, the smoking lamp is lit. Here's your host, Brian Levine. Welcome, welcome, welcome. It is the Pipes Magazine radio show. Yes, they sometimes are irreverent, sometimes educational, but always entertaining weekly pipe smoking broadcast. And I am your host, Brian Levine, coming to you from uh, lovely Huntersville, North Carolina, on a uh, September evening. Welcome to September. Fall is uh, shortly coming around the bend here. Um, on tonight's show, we are going to talk about, uh, I'm going to review Dunhill's Ye old Sign, the re-release of that. Uh, my guest is the second part of Neil Roan, and I get to sit back and listen to it again. And then we've got uh, Music Mailbag, and I'm going to blast a furniture company in this rant. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm not happy with them. <clears throat> but we'll uh, we'll talk about that at the end of the show, so you get to hear that. Um <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, it's fall, and uh, one of the, uh, I guess one of the reasons why I really like living in the uh, in North Carolina, and especially where we are, we're four hours in from the coastline by car, so we don't get a lot of the uh, effects of the ocean. But uh, it, it, we have we have two really distinct summer and winter seasons, uh, and then in the middle of that, we've got you know a good solid month or month and a half of spring and fall spread you know sprinkled in there so really like yeah four and a half months of winter four and a half months of summer and then a little bit of spring and a little bit of fall and what i like about it is you know right about the middle of august i'm about tired of the heat and humidity and then here comes september and you get a little bit of a tease like last night sitting outside on the deck and there was a cool breeze and it wasn't a hot humid nasty breeze it wasn't air conditioned but it teased you and then today mid 80s and we're done with the heat and the and the sweltering except we could get smacked around a little bit with some heat and humidity but again then the season ends right about as you get tired of it same thing happens in the winter yeah the first couple of months of winter you're happy to bring out your jackets and feel that cold crisp air and not have to worry about dripping in sweat, just taking the trash cans out. And then about uh, three months in winter, I'm about done with it. And I want some heat and humidity. And then it takes a couple of months to get to that. So we just keep going through that cycle over and over again. But again, it's one of the advantages to living where I live. All right. So if you're in nice weather right now and you're listening to the show sitting outside, sit back, relax, fire up a bowl. Thank you all for tuning in. And here we go. Have I uh, mentioned before how tobacco reviewing is not one of my favorite things? Um, and I forgot how much I really don't like it. Uh, I really don't. <laughs> you know, I, I really, it's it's a lot of work if you do it right. And here's what I found. So it's Dunhill Yield Sign, and it's described as a dark Virginia blend. And this is the re-release. The uh, I got the tin in July of this year, so it doesn't have... A lot of age on it doesn't have a lot of um, uh, time sitting in the can. I'm assuming it's probably you know maybe at the minimum uh, six months to you know, six months since it was 
factory manufactured. Uh, my first comments are, uh, and this is from the marketing side of me, the tin art is really cool. Uh, it's got the yield sign written in Old English, and it's got a, uh, a, a Victorian-era-looking gentleman with his long curls uh, smoking a clay pipe. So just wins for coolness. Uh, normally, on a round tin like this, I'm pretty good at popping them with my hands, but this tin, I noticed, was sucked down really tight. Now, what does that mean to me? It means that they're packing it correctly in the factory and that there's not a lot of air left in there. So two things. One, it's going to hold up long term fairly well. But two, because there's not a lot of air in there, it's not going to age real quickly. Um, you need that extra oxygen in there to help it, uh, you know, help it kind of break down the sugars and stuff like that. Uh, and again, this is a re-release of an old Dunhill blend, so I'm not going to go back and compare it to the old one. I haven't smoked the old one in probably uh, 15, 20 years. So let's just look at this one on its own. Uh, once I got the tin opened, again, it's got the little uh, the little paper coffee filter and then the paper round, uh, the round piece to, inside that to hold the tobacco down. Uh, the tobacco was packed, was packed in there super tight. I mean, just super tight. The moisture level of the tobacco in the tin was almost right for me. I was very pleased that it wasn't too wet right out of the, uh, right out of the tin. So that was, uh, you know, that's, that's nice to see that, uh, that a manufacturer is not over soaking it. Um, uh, the aroma has that uh, that grassy or kind of citrusy or hay-like uh, Virginia flavor to it. Uh, looking at it, it's got a few little uh, mottled pieces of what looks like it might have been originally caked up Virginias, and it's got some, it's got probably four different grades of Virginias. There's a very yellow, there's a, uh, there's a, a brown and almost, an, almost an orange. And then there's the dark Virginias in there. Um, on smoking it, I, you know, I tried it in three different pipes, uh, three different pipes that did not have, uh, heavy Perique use. And I found that in the pipe that I normally smoke, uh, my amphoras in, it worked the best. It does not, in my opinion, do well in a large pipe because it's a relatively moderate strength blend. Um, didn't make anybody in the room go screaming out because of the uh, the rotten sock burning smell of Perique. Uh, if I was going to classify this blend, I would call it a medium. I would say that it's got a bit of a uh, a, a bit of an intensity to it that kind of sneaks up on you. It's got some nicotine in it. Don't know how much. Couldn't really tell, but I could tell that there was not the uh, you know the, that it had the nicotine content of from the dark tobaccos, uh, but not the same you know much more than what you'd find in a. Uh, uh, in a in an aged uh, straight Virginia, so it's got a little bit of a little bit of a kick to it. At the end of each bowl, I felt like I was satisfied, like I'd smoked it. 
But again, it, to me, it seemed to work better in just a classic medium-sized pipe. If I put it in a smaller pipe, it got kind of too hot too fast. If I put it into a bigger bowl, maybe like a uh, oh, like a like a point eight diameter, uh, it started to just kind of get washed out. Really good taste in a medium-sized bowl, consistent all the way through. Good clean ash. Uh, not a lot of complication to it, not a lot of moisture build up in the bottom of the bowl. And again, I tried it fresh out of the can. I tried drying down some, I tried, uh, cutting it up a little bit cause the, uh, strands are still, are still really long and clumpy. Uh, the one negative that I will say is that I thought that there was more stems in it than should be, especially for a, uh, for a ribbon cut blend. But on the other hand, that's proof that they're using whole leaf and uh and long strips and you know stems happen uh but i thought there was in my opinion i thought there was a little more than there should be uh let me read you a couple of reviews from tobaccoreviews.com uh big train (laughs) didn't like it so here's the here's the bad review and then i'll give you the good review um he thought it was mild no you know flat And he wrote, I simply cannot understand how anyone reviews this tobacco as favorable. This has has totally nothing similar to the original yield sign except the name. It consists only of the tasteless Scandinavian Virginias, which have little age and no flavor at all. The tobacco simply has little character. They use the same Virginias in all their Virginia mixtures, and they are simply flat, period. The original yield used matured Virginias that jumped off the match. It had a tea-like quality that was always a treat. It seems difficult to get any taste out of this tobacco. The fact that they own the Dunhill name should not allow them to endow a tobacco with a famous name unless it in some way resembles its namesake. I understand that the reissues cannot ever be the same as the original. They should, however, be at least in the spirit of that blend. So that's a uh, that's a pretty harsh negative review, uh, and then we'll go over to uh, uh, Jim Inks, Jim Jim Amash, who uh, has probably a uh, well, he's he's smoked way more blends than I have and has a much better palate than I do, but he rated it as four stars uh, and wrote the Virginias have a bit of hay and grass along with some citrus as well as a little dark fruit, wood, bread, and earth. The latter notes underscore the experience. The rich fermented sweetness maintains itself from start to finish, as do the aforementioned aspects, though this is not complex in flavor. There is a tea-like quality as well. The Nick Hit is mild to medium, won't bite or get harsh, though I do recommend a moderate puffing cadence because this thin-cut ribbon will burn a little fast if you're not paying attention. You may want to hydrate it a little as the tobacco is dry. Uh, burns fairly cool and very clean, requires few relights, leaves virtually no dampness in the bowl, and easily burns to ash. Has a pleasant aftertaste. Though it does have a little punch, it can be an all-day smoke. And my final notes are, if a uh, Virginia Perique blend is too strong for you, but you're looking for something a little more intense, this might be perfect for you. Or if some of your Virginia blends are just too mild for you and you're looking for something with a little more meat to it, this might be perfect for you. If you get it, 
and you want to try aging it, I think it's going to take at least two years before you start to see any dramatic development. So there you go. My first tobacco review. We've got four more on the list coming up. And uh, in fact, I'm going to go, uh, I'm ordering the tobacco today or ordered it today to get it in here uh, on uh, Thursday and start working on those. We'll get to those in a few weeks. And in just a few minutes, we'll have Neil Rohn Part 2. This is Internet Radio. I'm Jeremy Reeves, head blender of Cornell & Deal Pipe Tobacco Company. Since 1990, Cornell & Deal has been producing high-quality pipe tobacco, expertly blended by hand using time-honored methods, unique recipes, and no small amount of innovation. One example of such innovation is our bestseller, Autumn Evening. We start with whole leaf red Virginia and strip the stems by hand. The tobacco is then cut into ribbons and cooked for two days according to our unique recipe to create our special Red Virginia Cavendish. Then we infuse the tobacco while it's still hot with our secret flavoring to achieve the sublime sweetness, deep flavor, and delightful aroma that makes Autumn Evening so well-loved by our loyal customers and everyone around them as they enjoy this very special blend. Cornell & Deal Pipe Tobacco Company. It's a labor of love. Contact your local or online retailer for information. We are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show, and joining us again is uh, Neil Rohn, the uh, the preeminent collector of Kamoy's Blue Ribands, and we're going to get into your photography and a passion for pipes, and I can't think... There's there's a whole bunch more to get into it, but Neil, welcome back to the show, and uh, thanks for coming back. Thank you, Brian. It's great to be back. Apparently, you have a high tolerance for pain too. So, um, in in honor of you, I don't have a blue rye band, but I do have a specimen straight grain that I'm smoking right now. So, all right, that's a wonderful smoke. Uh, you you mentioned in you mentioned last week that you're that there's some some blue rye bands that you're looking for. Do you know what they are? Can we help you? Can you tell us what they are, or do you just need to see them before you know you need them? Well, unfortunately, that's the it's the latter is the situation. Um, I know tons of shapes that I don't have, uh, but. Uh, they're really particular shape numbers, and I have absolutely no idea whether they exist in the Blue Ribbon line or not, because they they were uh, they're in the shape charts, uh, and they're we know that Kamoy made them, but we have absolutely no idea whether or not Kamoy ever judged one to be a Blue Ribbon quality. So I mean, I'm just basically out there, kind of like a chicken, kind of pawing through the gravel, hoping that something's going to come along. Uh, do you get emails from people and when you go to pipe shows, do you get people coming up to you going, I got a blue ray band you got to look at? Absolutely. As a matter of fact, that's one of the great things about the pipe community is that when there's a blue ray band that's available, uh, for sale at a show or on an auction site, I get emails from all over the place, literally all over the world, people telling me. And one of my very, very favorite blue band shapes, which is the 283, I'll never forget, a friend of mine came up to me at the Chicago Pipe Show. He said, 
He said, there's a guy over here. He's got three really rare bluer band shapes. You've got to come over and take a look at. And I went over there and I snapped them up. I'd never seen them before. And, you know, I've never seen another bluer band shape in that number. I've seen other Kamoi pipes, but only a couple. So it's actually a pretty rare shape, which is a, it's a straight Rhodesian. And, of course, there's the bent Rhodesian, the 284, which I don't have. So if somebody knows about a Blue Band 284, now there, and you want to help me find one of those, that would be fantastic. <laughs> we'll we'll uh, we'll get your contact information at the end of this so that they don't have to write it down right now. Uh, but yeah, I'm sure there's there's got to be some oddities out there. Uh, do you smoke all your all your Kamois? You know, I don't. I I made the decision that I was going to restore them or have them restored, or in some cases I've got, you know, about 10 of them that are actually unsmoked uh, from the get-go, that I was, once I got them completely restored, I wouldn't smoke them. So I keep them uh, unsmoked after I restore them because I'm really trying to preserve the collection. I kind of look at it like, you know, I'm the caretaker of this collection, yeah. Uh, and smoking them, uh, uh, I don't think would be, we could, would be good for them. And because they're just so rare, you know, I mean, I've, I've got pipes. I have never, ever seen another one uh, and a lot. Of them. And so, you know, I'm trying to keep the collection intact and in good condition. Wow. Uh, now let's switch to uh, stuff that's not so rare. Um, when did you start moving into co- into some of the artisan pipes and the you know, the the handmade pipes? Two thousand three. I. Uh, it was a dark know, and I, stormy night. Oh, sorry. <laughs> it was a dark and stormy night. Actually, it was a beautiful. It was a beautiful summer day, and the last Caps show, which is the. Uh, which is the the was the show here in Washington D.C. The regional show yeah. was happening in in Northern Virginia, and a friend of mine and I drove down there to that show. And I actually that's the first time that I ever really uh, became super interested in artisan pipes. I'd known about the about the Danes, obviously, and about a, a few Germans, uh, and I met uh, Jody Davis and Mike Lindner Uh-oh. at that show, and for the first time, and they, at that point, they were you know young, uh, bullish North American artisans, and I thought to myself. You know, I looked at their pipes. I thought these are these are wonderful. They're really nice pipes. And I thought this is this is what I'm going to focus on. I'm going to, you know, we've got a lot of Danish collectors and they who have fantastic collections, but there aren't at that time there were very few people collecting pipes from North American pipe makers. So I started there, and the first uh, pipes I collected of North American artisans were Jody and Mike's. Uh, if you have any Jody Davis pipes, no, I'm kidding. Um, was there when so you get into this artisan pipe thing, into this, and then was there a pipe in 2003 or four that was kind of like your unreachable holy grail that you finally obtained? 
Yeah, as a matter of fact, there there was, a, and I didn't even know it in, until I saw it. It was uh, a cardinal grade elephant's foot, a bamboo that Jody Davis made. And I mean, if you saw this pipe, Brian, and I give Jody such a bad time about it because <laughs> there are very precious few saints or saints with halos, which is his very top grade, yeah. that even touched this pipe. And I give him a bad time. I said, how come, you know, how come, you know, all these pipes that don't have good wood as this cardinal are now stamped saints? And he looked at me and he says, well, I didn't know, I didn't know that, that wood this good was that hard to find. He was expecting better wood to, wood to come. <laughs> but, you know, it's just one of those amazing pipes that has perfect grain on all, all over the pipe. And he gave it his second highest grade. Uh, and you know, I, you know, between Jody and Mike, uh, that's kind of where I focused in. And then, you know, shortly after that, I, I became interested in Todd Johnson's pipes and, and, uh, as other North American artisans, uh, came into my awareness because I mean, I was, you know, essentially stumbling in the dark. I didn't know who these people were. I remember going to the Chicago show for the first time and walking in there and just about being knocked over acres of pipes and, you know, and pipe makers and not that many uh, North American artisans at that time, but way more of them than, than I had ever seen before. And that's, you know, that's where I went. I, I, I remember when I met Tyler Lane, uh, I believe I met, I met him at the first Richmond show I went to, and and fantastic pipe maker, and you know an engineer who at that time was uh, uh, working as a minister and a part-time pipe maker, and and I started collecting his pipes, and I've got every one I've ever bought still, and treasure them to this day. How long does it take for you to decide if a pipe is just not going to work for you and it needs to be uh, horse traded off? Well, you know, I'm I'm pretty stubborn. I don't give up on them. Uh, <laughs> for for uh, you know, for a long time, Brian, I I was my collection was really about was more about you know art and design and excellence in manufacturing than it really was about smoking. So for a long time, I was smoking maybe 15 or 20% of my collection and the rest of it was unsmoked. And so I had no idea whether these pipes were going to work for me or not. Now that's changed over the years. Now I smoke pretty much everything I buy, but I still have a considerable number of pipes that are unsmoked that I consider, you know, representative of some artisans, very, very best work. Do you have a certain time limit or a certain – is there something that you naturally see when it's when a new pipe maker has come onto the scene and now it's okay for you to buy one of his pipes? Well, you know, usually what happens is I'll, is I'll see an example of their work and – and I just feel like it's it's wonderful. It's you know that this is a very promising maker, and uh, and if the pipe is available uh, and I can afford it, I buy it. Um, 
and you know that's kind of how my collections of other makers started. Uh, uh, one example, of course, is Adam Davidson, who I met <clears throat> quite a long time at the Richmond show. Shortly after he uh, he went to work with Todd Johnson and then with Smoking Pipes, and I thought this this guy is the real deal. He uh, you know he's in, he studied industrial design at Purdue, and he's he's a very innovative and interesting pipe maker, and and I loved his work, and I love it now, and I have a pretty significant number of his pipes. Um, the same thing with Steve Lusky. I saw uh, an early sandblasted Dublin with very unusual Buddha bamboo on it and snapped that pipe up and, you know, got to know Steve. And, I mean, Steve is amazing. And, you know, I'm not I, – I feel a little bad pointing out particular pipe makers because, gosh, there are just so many fantastic pipe makers now that I could yeah. just go on and on about how great they are. But these were people that I – that I, you know, came into contact early with. And, you know, you meet these people, you find out what they're like, you you see them develop, you know. I I also felt like, well, this is a way I can help support their work. And, and a, <clears throat> a part of that uh, for me was in 2007, I started my blog, A Passion for Pipes, Right. And I was writing about the artisans and the pipes and photographing them and talking about how they smoked. And and uh, so, you know, <laughs> starting a passion for pipes actually created an incentive for me to buy more pipes and to get to know more artisans uh, <laughs> because I needed the content for my blog. But it really does for for you and I think a little bit for me as well, it when you when you see a new pipe maker or see a see a pipe maker's pipes for the first time um it really does become about the the art and the form of the of the pipe and you just kind of it's like walking through a museum when you see a piece of art that you enjoy or you admire you don't really know why you just do absolutely i had an experience like that this summer and this last may in chicago i you know, I've never particularly liked panels that much. I'm, and I'm talking about the English panels, not mm -hmm. the not Paul Elstead's panels, which I just think are unbelievable. But, um, you know, I I come across this this new pipe maker from Texas, Ryan Alden. Yeah. And and he's got this this octagonal billiard, large billiard with a square shank. And it is absolutely without a doubt i'm looking at it it's the best classic panel i have ever seen ever i i and it was a sandblast i just couldn't believe it i bought it on the spot uh and you know and this coming from somebody who who doesn't like panels all that much and but the way he executed that that design the level of craftsmanship and and plus i i smoked it the smoking quality was fantastic yeah, I became very interested, and that's what can happen. I mean, you can you can not like a shape or not like think you don't like something and come across it and completely trans have your opinion transformed by somebody who brings something to that that you never expected. Uh, and that's what happened to me with Ryan and and uh, and with the panel. And and to be honest, you know, I'd only heard about it Ryan a couple of times. I mean. 
you know, people tell me this was a an up and comer, a, a talented guy, a really nice guy. You meet him, I mean, it's like meeting Man Mountain Dean. It's, it feels <laughs> like he's like eight feet tall and three hundred and fifty pounds. He's huge, you know. And he's this extraordinary guy, you know, who's making these really nice pipes. And and there are, you know, I could go on and on. There must be twenty or thirty people like that who are doing just fantastic work. Yeah, don't go on and on because I want to take a break right now. And when we come back from the break, I want to talk about something that I think you do better than anybody else I've ever seen. But uh, during the break, I'll tell you the story of the uh, very long shanked uh, billiard that Greg Pease and I fought over that Ryan Alden made, and I ended up winning it. So um, we'll, we'll take a break and we'll be right back. What are you looking for in a pipe? Is it the quality of aged briar? Is it a certain shape or finish? Maybe it's the sound engineering that ensures an effortless, smooth draw with each and every puff. That's exactly the kind of pipe Savinelli has delivered for generations now. With such a variety of shapes, finishes, and sizes, it's easy to find something that fits your sensibility and style. Just this year, we've expanded our lineup to include the Bianca, the Lancelotto, the 2015 collection, and the final installment in the Leonardo da Vinci line, the Vitruvio. For a bolder style, try our more colorful 2015 editions as well. The exotic cashmere, the sultry licoricea, and the striking Arcabellano red. So whatever you're looking for in a pipe, know there's a Savinelli waiting for you. Contact your local or online retailer to find your Savinelli today. We are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show visiting with Neil Roan. And Neil, I, I cut you off before that because I, I wanted to get into this right away. Um, through the, I'm assuming through your writing for A Passion for Pipes and, and going to pipe shows and stuff, uh, you have taken some of the best photographs of pipe makers or pipe people that i've ever seen so you're a talented musician because i've seen you play guitar uh you're a talented photographer because i've seen your photographs your writing is wonderful is there anything that you do wrong uh, that you don't do well so that i can so that i can not completely hate you yeah there's pretty much anything having to do with athletics uh you know, I met the. Um, <laughs> there are so many things that uh, that I don't do well uh, that it's that uh, we need a week to talk about all those things. You know? <laughs> okay, good. Uh, did are you a self-taught photographer? Uh, I would say probably mostly until I got to a certain point, and then I started, you know, getting help from. Um, other photographers who are professionals, and I've read probably. 30 books on photography uh, and have been interested in it. Uh, you know, I work in my professional life uh, as a creative director and art director, and I've always been really interested in in photography and illustration, visual representation. So I wanted to, to get to be good at that. Uh, and, you know, like pretty much everybody else, you know, 90% of what you learn in life, you, you pretty much have to figure out on your own. 
and get some help from some people. I mean, you're, let, let's put it this way. Your photography is so good and your camera is so durable that you actually captured a decent picture of me about six, eight years ago at the Chicago Pipe Show. You know, I like that picture of you. I think it, I think it's a good picture. I mean, if I could, but it was very hard to get you to stop turning your back to me. <laughs> I was trying to show you my best side. I'm not sure that I'm a great photographer, but I think pipe smokers and men are really interesting subjects. And, you know, these are people who have a lot of character in their face. And if you, if you watch them and you wait for the right moment, you know, you, you get, and you can capture that. It's pretty compelling because these are interesting people. Where can we go to see some of your photographs right now? Are they on your Facebook page? Uh, a few of them are. I don't have any place that, that uh, I have a lot of photographs that are that are up. I used to have a ton on Passion for Pipes, obviously. Uh, but I don't have that any up uh, for the most part. I'm... I put them on Facebook. I, I uh, occasionally uh, post them up on Flickr. Um, I'm very, very interested these days in landscape photography and in street photography, and so I'm, I'm spending a lot of time doing that. And, and you know, several weeks I'm going to go up to Newfoundland and, and do some photography up there because it's a wild place and, you know, very, very rugged and beautiful and and uh, and I'm interested in that. It's it's really something that has become a, a real interest. It's reminiscent of growing up in Wyoming. Yeah, it is. Except I think that it's a you know obviously it's a much it's a different environment. It's maritime, and you know the, the North Atlantic is uh, is a an awesome force. And you stand on those cliffs looking out there, realizing that you're. You know, you're halfway to London from Toronto when you're in Newfoundland, and you realize that you're looking at an ocean that would eat you if you gave it half a chance. <laughs> All right, let's go back and we'll talk about uh, a passion for pipes. I mean, what was the was the impetus to start it? Just so that you could write about pipe smoking? Actually, no. The real reason I started Passion for Pipes was I wanted to learn about social media. And blogging, and the whole notion of, of blogging was really very new then. I started Passion for Pipes uh, June 16, 2007. And, uh, and you know, that the went for like 11 years, right? Yeah. Uh, no, not 11 years, nine years. Uh, and really learned a lot about blogging and about, about, uh, about developing a voice. It also, Passion for Pipes was really good for me because it forced me to learn to write in a different way and to develop a voice and to speak to an audience with more discipline than I'd ever done before. And, you know, that's the real reason I got started. But, you know, I was very interested in the subject matter in pipes and tobaccos and in the pipe community. And that really took over my love for pipes and tobacco and the people became the reason that I kept doing it. I started it to learn, uh, but, you know, it's like anything else that you really focus on. You learn to love it, and it takes on a life of its own. I mean, at one point, you had a huge following and a, and a huge reach of almost every... You, were, you had people on every continent, and 
you know, I I don't know how big how big was how many hits or how do you how do you keep track of how big it was? But you were you had thousands of people going on there every day. Well, you know, I went and and uh, pulled up a presentation that I gave to the Seattle Pipe Club to get that information for you. And, and uh, when I w- went to Seattle to give this pre- in 2012, I had 120,379 core readers. And these were people who visited all the time from 141 countries. And of that, of that group, I had 33,500 uh, readers who had made more than 100 visits to the site. Um, and, which was just extraordinary. I mean, I, I was, I remember when because Google Analytics would tell you anything, right, at yeah. that point. And uh, and when I looked at this, uh, I had uh, people reading from in sixty six languages. And as you know, you know <laughs> some of the pipe clubs in China and Japan and and, and in France and. Uh, and Italy and Greece and Norway, they were taking every day my posts and translating it. Somebody, some, you know, native speaker would translate the English into their language. I mean, it was just, it was, uh, it was mind boggling how many people there were. (laughs) I I remember, you know, one of the things that really surprised me was the day I was looking at my analytics and I discovered I had two, count them, two readers in Saudi Arabia. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, you know, well, that, that's uh, you know that's unusual because in that in that part of the world you know uh, you don't you don't think about pipe smoking and and Africa was actually the last continent to fill in uh, you know it's you know readers in Libya readers in Mozambique and Kenya South Africa is not unusual at all a lot of pipe smokers down there but you know Senegal Mali the Ivory Coast etc they were all just spread out all over. Wow. Uh, do you have any plans in the future for some of your, uh, I don't know what you call them, articles or entries for A Passion for Pipes? I do. I've been working for ages on a book from the blog, and I have quite a bit of it finished. I wanted to write some new content, and I have done that. Uh, you know, it's pretty interesting. I, I essentially stopped doing a passion for pipes because I felt like I ran out of things to say, uh, and that I was starting to repeat myself, which I think is, is not a good thing, especially with a focused audience like I had, but it's, you know, I've changed a lot since I stopped writing a passion for pipes and my relationship to pipe. Uh, now is really much more as a pipe smoker than as a pipe collector. And so that change, I think, has given me kind of a different way of looking at the hobby. Has that change brought uh, the tobacco component more into focus, or is it more about the time spent? It's definitely brought the tobacco more into focus because... uh, I mean, for one thing, I think there are just amazing tobaccos out there, and I'm very interested in what I see happening. Uh, you know, it's ironic uh, uh, during this time of, of, you know, impending regulations that might actually reduce the number of blends we have available in the United States that, that we have some of the best tobaccos available now that we've ever had. 
And, you know, I, I, my interest is very definitely there. But, you know, I'm not, a, I'm not like you. I mean, you, you are a tobacco guy. Your knowledge is encyclopedic. I'm not. For me, it's much more experiential. Yeah, well, and for me, it's much more because I was forced to learn it, to sell it and understand it, and I only like a few things. Uh, but it could be that I'm a very young or uh, now middle-aged uh, curmudgeon at large. Well, you know, if anybody should be doing it, it's a curmudgeon at large. <laughs> I've gone crotchety before my time. Um, uh, besides the wonderful picture of me, are there any uh, any favorite photographs or favorite uh, moments of that you've captured? Well, one of my very favorite photographs that I that I ever took it was of Bill Unger, uh, wow. who Bill was our North American Society of Pipe Collectors, essentially you know head honcho for years, and and uh, I had had the the opportunity to get a shot of him not too far in advance of when he found out that that he was going to be uh, taken from us through essentially a terminal cancer condition and this photograph of bill is to me is one of the most amazing photographs and and maybe part of that is because i respected and liked him so much but you know there are there are a lot of photographs a lot of people who i who i just think are amazing you know that that uh i look at the photos and i and i just love them you know i think they're they're uh they're really interesting because the people are really interesting. And now I've noticed recently there's a few people that are following in your footsteps and focusing on uh, photographs of the people at pipe shows and, and events instead of the, the pipes themselves. And uh, it's, you know, at, at the end of the day, I will really say that what, what it all comes down to is yeah, the pipes the pipes trigger memories, but the memories are all of the people or the times that we had. I couldn't agree more. And with that, we will uh, now subject you to the Fast Five final questions. No right answer, no wrong answer, just whatever comes to your mind. Are you ready? Yeah. What is your favorite pipe? My Probably my favorite pipe is is a uh, small sandblast pipe Adam Davidson made many years ago that I nicknamed the Heath Bar, which is a bamboo pipe that has a canted, <laughs> cutty-like bowl. And uh, it started out as a natural and is now dark brown. I call it the Heath Bar. <laughs> it I... weighs 19 grams. So oh, wow. it's like, it, it's, it's just nothing, you know? And what is your favorite tobacco? You know, my favorite tobacco is the original PCCA Aurora. Oh, I, I just love that, love that tobacco. And McClelland has done a fantastic job of actually uh, recreating that blend. And so, you know, that's one of my go-to smokes. When it's time to relax, do you prefer a book, a movie, or music? A book. And do you have a uh, particularly favorite drink? Uh, well, you know, I would 
as hard I would be a toss-up between a Sazerac or a Manhattan. Uh, oh. They're, you know, I like them both. Probably Manhattan would edge the Sazerac out by a, an inch or so. That, that's because more people know how to do a Manhattan correctly than a proper Sazerac. Uh, that is for sure. And then the final question is, do you have a particularly favorite pipe smoking related memory that we haven't talked about? Well, one, there, one incredibly meaningful thing that happened to me when I was writing my blog is that I used to get letters from people from all over the world, some of, of which would just move me to tears. They were, they tell me their story, tell me their about their parents, tell me about uh, some memory they would have. And, and uh, one day I got a letter, I got, I got a letter with a pipe from a young man who was, had been a reconnaissance uh, Marine, uh, a staff sergeant in the Marines, and he was serving in Iraq in, in a pretty dangerous assignment. And he sent me a pipe with a letter and he wrote me he said i can't share a canteen with you in the middle of the desert or know the sublime happiness of finding a pouch of peaches in syrup from an mre and sitting in a fighting hole sharing it (laughs) but i can give you my pipe that i love wow that's a pretty humbling thing so he would he had read your blog over while he was stationed over there. Yeah, yeah, and he has since become a good friend of mine and uh, one of the most generous people I know. One of the finest young men that I that I've ever known. Somebody who I'm really proud to call a friend. Neil, how can uh, people get a hold of you if they've got the uh, super rare blue rye band or if they just want to chit-chat with you? Well, you know, they can look up, uh, they can look me up online. My contact, there's a contact email on my company's site. They can click that and, and find me or they can write me at neil.rone at gmail.com. And they can pick up the Kamoy's book right now, and uh, we'll uh, we'll let them know when your when your new book comes out. That would be super, man. Neil, the uh, the you are the perfect way to end out the uh, fifth year of this uh, of this little <laughs> my little adventure into social media here. So thank you very much. It's been a real pleasure, Brian. I love the show and keep on doing it. It's a great thing for the community long as I don't keep repeating myself too many times. But uh, thanks again, and uh, we'll be right back. Smokingpipes.com has been my family's tradition for over 10 years. My granddad enjoys his evening pipe on the front porch. My father prefers his in the study, and well, me, I like to hang outside the local coffee shop with a pipe in one hand and my smartphone in the other. The best selection is at smokingpipes.com. They always have the exact pipe I'm looking for. Savinelli, Peterson, Dunhill, and great stuff from dozens of top artisans around the world. Plus, they have over 70 tobacco brands with 750 blends to choose from. Lighters, tampers, tobacco jars, yep, they have that too. But the best part about SmokingPipes.com is that it's easy to order from my computer, tablet, or even my smartphone. And if Granddad has trouble with technology, he can always call them at 1-888-366-0345. 
I heard that. Do you think I'm deaf? I'm the one who told you about smokingpipes.com, and I had a smartphone before you. You kids today, blah, blah. Smokingpipes.com. Make it your family tradition. This is Internet Radio. We are back, and I enjoyed listening to that just as much as I did enjoy recording it and uh, doing a few edits to it, too. Uh, to get a hold of Neil, his email address is n-e-i-l-l dot r-o-a-n, or uh, follow, find Neil Roan on uh, Facebook, and you'll see some uh, great pictures and lots of fun stuff there. So uh, check him out. And uh, you can also look for the Kamoy's book, too, which has got just wonderful photography of pipes. It's kind of like um, old pipe porn. Anyway, uh, because of Neil's uh, musical talent, I decided to go back to some classical music. And um, how about the one and only uh, Andres Segovia, pipe smoker, playing Bach, a pipe smoker. This one is called uh, Sweet Castellana. Thank you. 
I always picture Segovia with a uh, bent pipe in his mouth and uh, ashes falling on the guitar as he's sitting there playing. But anyway, to hear more of uh, Segovia, go to Spotify and uh, search Andres Segovia. Check your mailbox, you moron! In the mailbag, uh, Dave LaBrosi writes, uh, Brian, I learned so much from your show. One trick that I heard on your show was from the owner of Peretti's. His tip was to fill your bad-tasting pipes with coffee grinds. Let them sit for a few days. I had cleaned a few of my pipes, and for whatever reason, they tasted horribly after I spent hours cleaning them to the point where I was ready to get rid of them. But after trying his recommendation, they smoked beautifully. Thank you. Although I lost several reasons to buy new pipes, but then who needs a reason? (laughs) Yeah, we don't need reasons to buy new pipes. (laughs) Uh, There's new pipes, that's enough reason. Uh, He goes on to write, I now have only two shows to listen before I'm entirely caught up on all of your shows. I love hearing how the show has progressed through the years and how you've grown as well. Great work. I hope you don't think I'm... Being a pest or a stalker for writing as much as I have, but I love the information and the entertainment. Uh, Let me just say that, uh, no, the more you write, the merrier I am, and uh, it's never too much. I may not get around to them right away, but, and then uh, Dave, uh, uh, it's high praise coming from Dave because he's the uh, vice president of programming for four or five radio stations in the uh, Baltimore, Maryland area. So for him to enjoy the show... That means an awful lot to me. Uh, going back to last week's show with, uh, with KJ or Kadesh, uh, Casey Ghost writes, The trip report was interesting. I would like to hear the names of people more when you do them. All right, let me, uh, let me cut in and comment on that. Um, you know, the problem with the names is that if you leave somebody off, it's bothersome. So it'd just be me reading a laundry list of the people at the event and hoping not to miss anybody. So I uh, get to see everybody. Um, Then he wrote, interview with another carver I've never heard of. I've got to get out of the house more. I was glad to see on his blog the good advice of becoming a good pipe maker. Not selling your first hundred pipes was quite refreshing. Of course, he didn't do that and thus the advice. Yeah. And, uh, you know, quite a, uh, uh, you know, I go back to go back and listen to each show afterwards. And, uh, you know, I really like hearing about somebody who's looking at it from the aspect of an art and a tradition and trying to uh, not create pipes that are a certain shape, but create pipes that capture a certain moment. Uh, And then Dan also writes... Uh, if the Fellowship of the Ring had heard Leonard Nimoy during, doing that Bilbo Baggins song, they would have let Sauron win. That was truly awful. Nimoy was a great actor, but as a singer, he was a great actor. Yeah, yeah. I got a couple other people commenting on that that uh, thought it was uh, interesting, and that, you know that's exactly what it is. And then, uh, lastly, New Broom wrote, "I enjoyed the song." There you go. All right, we got one win for the song. And rant time is coming up next. Cowboy. Cowboy.
I will try to keep this short for you, but Ashley Furniture, you can kiss my assets. Goodbye. Uh, yeah, I'm not dealing with you anymore, and here's why. Uh, a month ago, a month ago, we walked into the store and saw a couple of pieces of furniture that we wanted. One of the, one of the things we wanted was a set of a coffee table and two end tables. And we wanted them to look just like the ones that were in the store. So we buy them. And there's a option for uh, delivery or to pick it up. Now keep in mind, delivery or pick it up, right? Are you with me? So we opt for delivery because we're buying that and one other piece. And they're too big to fit into the back of our little SUV thingy. And we wait. And a week later, they show up. Well, the two end tables match, but the coffee table is a completely different color. I mean, one is, the two end tables are kind of like an orangey walnut stain, and the coffee table is almost a black walnut stain. They don't match, so we refuse the coffee table and tell them to bring us one that matches that. Well, a week later, they come back out with a whole nother one. Right now we're two weeks after this, a whole nother one. And it's dark again. So now we've done this a second time. We tell the driver. We tell the person on the phone with customer service. We, we have pictures. We say, you know what? We want the one that, that was like the one in the store. We want all three tables to match. They say, okay, we'll get our, your salesman will be in contact with you and we'll try to attempt, you know, we'll bring you another one. Never heard from the salesman. Three weeks. The third delivery. The guy comes out, very nice delivery people, bring it out, the table's black. It's black. I mean, it's, it's dark. So, to cut this down to less than miniseries length, uh, we told him no, and we don't want it, and here's the pictures, and here's why, and you'll get your salesman to get in, in contact with you. And I said, yeah, sure, right. We were, we've heard that before. Uh, finally heard from the salesman. He called us the next day and we sent him pictures of the table again and said, this is what we want. And he said, I'll get back to you. And I told him we wanted to know what was going on and we wanted to know within the next day or so because we're getting tired of this. Now this has gone on a month. Well, we don't hear from him by Friday. So the long weekend, we decide, you know what, I'm done with this. I'm going to put the two tables that we have that don't match, I'm going to put them in the, in the back of the little car and drive over there and take them back. Well, guess what? We get there, we finally get to talk to a manager, which is apparently an impossible task when you try to phone into Ashley Furniture. And she says, well, we can get you one that matches. I said, no, you don't understand. I gave you guys 24 hours last week to come up with a resolution of this we've decided that we don't want your product anymore you don't satisfy us you don't have the customer service that we want we want our money back and here's your two tables here's the kicker she says i can't take the tables here they have to be picked up by the warehouse and i'm sitting there thinking well what happened what would have happened if i would have picked them up no they have to send somebody out to pick them up from you they can't take returns at the store so, Ashley Furniture, you can't deliver the product right, your people don't call you back, and then you can't even handle a situation correctly inside the store. Now I've got two tables sitting here in the house waiting for a truck to come and pick them up on Wednesday between 8 a.m. and 11 a.m. I told them eh, I might be available then, so hope I'm up and I uh, hope I'm ready for them, but 
you know, might not fit my schedule anymore because that's the fourth time they will have sent a truck out here. And a fourth time we will have had to schedule our three or four hour section of a day around them. My advice to you, shop any other furniture store. Well, don't go to Ikea. Ikea's a cult. But uh, shop any other furniture store because apparently Ashley's got so many customers, they don't need to take care of the ones that they've got and they don't need to get any more. And if they're listening, you know how to get a hold of me because... I haven't heard back from you, but I've given you many ways to get a hold of me. All right, that concludes uh, year number five of the Pipes Magazine radio show. Comments or feedback, email me, brian at pipesmagazine.com. If I don't answer you right away, email me again because it might have got caught in the spam filter. Post your comments right there on the radio show page of uh, pipesmagazine.com. Tell your friends. Ratings or reviews, iTunes, Google+, wherever you listen to it, that would be wonderful. I want to thank you all for tuning in and thank Neil Roan for uh, a wonderful visit and say one more time. Until next time. Who cares about the clouds when we're together? Just sing a song and think about sunny weather. Happy trails to Till we meet again. When you're telling these little stories, here's a good idea. Have a point. It makes it so much more interesting for the listener.